So tonight, tonight I'd like to start with a question for you guys. We're talking about love. So is there something that you have fallen in love with? Has anybody fallen in love with something before? Show of hands. Has anybody fallen in love with anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every, everybody's fallen in love with something. What have you fallen in love with? Go ahead and shout it out. Cheesecake. I love cheesecake. Cherry is my favorite. All right, what else? Something other than cheesecake. Your wife. Yes, what else? Your husband. Anything else? Chocolate mint ice cream. Oh, yum. Yeah, you know, I've fallen in love with some things as well. I've fallen in love with my wife, Sarah. I fell in love with my children. Isn't it amazing, guys, when you are first handed your baby, how much you can fall in love with that little person? I also have a dog. I've got a dog that I love very much. His name's Ranger, Cocker Spaniel, in our trailer. So how, when you think about the, the thing that you've fallen in love with, how similar are you to that? Sometimes a lot, sometimes maybe not so much. So Sarah and I did something kind of fun. We put together a list of things that, of how we're similar and how we're different. So at the risk of stating the obvious, I was born a boy. And I was born a girl. <laughs> that is a good thing, right? Yes. Um, so I grew up in northern Iowa. And I grew up in southern Iowa. I grew up on an acreage with cows. I grew up on an acreage with pigs. I lived in one home my entire childhood. I almost did. We moved away for, for seven months and then came back again. I grew up working with my grandfather. And I grew up working with my grandma. I have one sister. I have three brothers. I'm quiet and I want to be left alone when I'm sick. I groan and moan, but still want to be left alone when I'm sick. It's very true. He does groan and moan. I got lost because I had said that. Let's see. Oh, here. I would choose cake. I would choose pie. Mm -hmm. I like to be spontaneous. I can be spontaneous with a week's notice. I walk fast. Now, he says I walk slow, but I think it's the natural disadvantage leg length here. So I'm going with that. But he says I'm slow. I like the little details. I like the big picture. I really like to organize. Really like I do not. I, but I do like things organized. But it's the process to get there that's so painful. I argue to get my point across. I also argue to get my point across. I'm highly competitive. I'm more. We're not competing. Not at all. Never. I love to swim. I love the water with a life jacket. I like trees. I can't look at a tree without identifying it, forming a comprehensive risk assessment, and then mapping out what needs to be pruned. Yes, his, his occupation as an arborist has changed everything on our nice drives through the woods. So, I'm a calculated risk taker. I am a calculated risk taker as long as I'm with him. I am good with directions. My friends used to call me the human GPS. I'm just glad that the Google Maps lady tells me where I need to turn. Oh, yeah. That was heaven sent, wasn't it? Yeah. So I follow the rules. I look for the loophole. I process internally. I also process internally. I relax when I do high physical activities. I need to relax after I do high physical activities. I like to cook because I love to eat. 
I'm just glad that he likes to cook because I like to, I like to eat and I don't like to cook. So it works out well. I am always cold. Always. I, I am always hot. I fold. I have a special way of folding things. Do you know how many ways there are to fold a t-shirt? And all of them are wrong. Wrong. I can picture what something looks like before it is built. I can picture what something looks like after it is built. I am a morning person. I am definitely a night person. I have nice handwriting. I can read my handwriting most of the time. I am a thinker. I am a thinker. I tan. I burn red. Burn. I like to know what's going on in the world. I would prefer to live under a rock. I loved the infant stage. I prefer them being able to use a toilet. And I like variety in my work. I'm okay with monotonous. I like to discuss things in the evening. I like to discuss things during the day. I competed in track and field in college. I only run if I'm being chased. I'm a very task-oriented person. I'm the only reason she has fun. That is very true most of the time. I prefer to work alone. As do I, so I'm going to go sit down now. But before you go, we are not socks, but I think we make a good pair. So, as you see, we definitely have our differences, and some of our differences really, really complement each other and make us a great team. We also have a lot of similarities, and in fact, some of our similarities have been the areas that have caused the largest conflict in our, in our relationship. And so, one of the things that I've learned after 18 years is this, is that falling in love is not equal to staying in love. When I met Sarah the first time, she was standing in line in front of me in a lunch line at a factory. And we started that conversation, and, and we connected pretty good that day. And that night when I got home from work, my mom asked me, she called because she wanted to find out how the first day of work went, and I said, I met a girl. And she's like, what? That was not at all what she was expecting. She was expecting to hear what actually happened during the day. I didn't talk anything about work, but... So the, the process of falling in love was very, very easy. But staying in love is something completely different. And so I think everybody will ask this question at some point in their life, and it's this. What does it take to make a marriage last? And I had to ask this, this question because I, had, I saw this in my friends, and, and they, they struggled, and a lot of them got divorced. And so... I think that the answer to this is how, how we love is important. And it's not in the what we do, but it's in the how we do it. So we need to have a Christ-like love in our relationships, a sacrificial love. We need to teach this to our children as they're growing up, how to, how to get along with each other. We need to teach them how to get along with their classmates in, in school and in sports. And as they become young, single adults, how they can be respectful to, to somebody of the opposite sex as they become and look at being, uh, getting married. And, so, and also having the same sacrificial love in church and at work. So we need to put love into action. It's not just a thing that we feel, but it's actually a verb, making it a verb and making it an action in our life. We can do that in these three ways, to elevate, to cherish, and to pursue. And so we're going to be looking at these, these three things uh, through the, the book of Philippians in chapter 2 tonight. 
But I was very fortunate growing up to be able to see these uh, shown and demonstrated to me. And it was through my grandparents, Marlo and Gloria. So Marlo and Gloria, they, have, they passed away in the, last, uh, in the last year or so. But they were both married for 70, they were married to each other for over 72 years. So some of the things that they did was they regularly ate together. They made it a point and intentionally to spend time together and that time to, so that they could sit and eat and talk. They loved to go dancing. They were ballroom dancers. So regularly, weekly, they would go find a dance. Sometimes twice a week, they would drive to a dance. They always took interests in each other's interests. One of the things that I remember as a, as a young boy growing up as I was working with my grandfather is that grandma would come home from work and she would stop and she would come find us on the acreage someplace and she'd always honk her horn and grandpa would stop what he was doing and he would go and see what she, you know, go and, and talk to her, see how her day went. And she would ask him questions as well. What, you know, what happened? So they'd have this little back and forth talk. And at the end of that, she'd always say, I'm going to go make supper now. It'll be ready at six. It was the same thing every day. We knew it was going to be ready at six, but she took the point to, to make that statement to say, I want you home for supper. So she was taking interest in grandpa and grandpa took interest in her as well. They, always, they also cared for each other when they were ill. Later in life, when grandma had diabetes and she also had dementia, so grandpa sacrificed a lot to make sure that, that grandma was taken care of and had the, had the medicine that she needed. They understood this Christ-like love. Although they never verbalized what it was, I had that demonstration in, in my life as I was growing up. So where did this idea of Christ-like love, where did that come from? It came from John thirteen thirty four. And to put this into context, in John 13, what is happening is Jesus has had the disciples, and they're in the upper room. He had just washed their feet, and they were, they were getting ready for the Last Supper. And, and so they, they have the Last Supper, and Judas asks, you know, they were asking, you know, who's going to betray him? And, and Jesus dips the, the bread in the cup and gives it to Judas, and Judas runs off. And then it was the 11 disciples that were left. And so that's where we drop into this story. And so verse 34 says that Jesus says to him in verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, can you imagine being one of those 11 disciples? And you're in that room with Jesus. And he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Wow. Would you be ready? Like you're right there. This is going to be huge, right? So Jesus then says this, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, if that was me, I'd be like, what? This isn't new. Because the greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But that's not the same, is it? It's different. Jesus gave them a new commandment. Not to love your neighbor as yourself, but instead Love your neighbor as you've seen me love you. There's difference. So what does that look like? So that's what we find in Philippians 2. Jesus has made himself the example. And so Paul is going to walk us through that and and talk about what that love looks like. So Philippians 2.3 starts out this way. To do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Paul says that we need to get rid of all of our selfishness. Because if we are selfish, 
then we're only interested in ourselves. We aren't going to be able to elevate other people. We aren't going to be able to put their, their needs and their desires above or in front of our own. The conceit at the end, that's simply pride. Pride is this. Doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, putting myself before God and others. If we're doing that, if we're conceited, if we have pride, can we elevate others in our relationship? It's not going to be possible. The the last part of this verse, of verse 3, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So we need to value other people above ourselves. Now, we know how to do this really well. How many of you have been to a wedding before where you're not the bride or the groom? Yeah, we have all experienced that. It is, it is something. So when we show up, what do we do? We make that couple the most important thing, right? We make sure that their day is special. We elevate them. So we know how to do this really well. So the question is, will we elevate other people in our relationships? If I were to do this for a week, if I was to take and elevate Sarah for the next week, do you think that she would notice? I guarantee she'd notice. If you did that with your spouse, would your spouse notice? The answer to this question is really a life-changing question. If, if we are going to elevate other people in our relationships, that will change our lives. It will change how we interact with people. So I want to give you 30 seconds now in your books. Find one of the blank pages and, and answer this question for yourselves. Will I treat others as more important? And if so, how can I do that? 30 seconds. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So we need to express interest, interest in the things that interest other people. This is not easy to do. When, it, when people don't share the same interests that we have, it, it's, it's hard to do that, right? One of the biggest differences that Sarah and I have is she likes old things. She loves to go to auctions. She loves to go to estate sales. I don't. I figure if they're getting rid of that stuff, there's a great reason they're getting rid of that stuff, right? There's a reason it's for sale. Nobody wants it. Sarah likes it. It's okay. So when she sees a room that looks like this, she gets excited. I don't so much. But there's times that I'll go with her to the estate sales. We'll have fun with that. There's other times that she'll go with a friend and she'll bring something home and she'll say, look at what I found. And I'm like, what is it? She's like, I don't know, but it's cute. Right? So it's fun. So then we laugh about it. So we, I take time to, to cherish her and cherish that interest and, and lift her up in that way so that we can have fun together. This happens with our kids too. I like to build things. 
So do my kids. The thing is, they use Legos. Legos don't do much for me. That's not my building material. But it's important that I take time and pay attention to my kids when they build something and they bring it to me, that I take time and get down to their level and say, what is it? What did you make? What does it do? How does it work? And so then their imagination starts running wild and they tell me all the different things and all the intricacies of that, of that little thing that they built. But what's really sweet is when your interests match. Sarah and I love the mountains. We love the outdoors. So that is a, a way that we can connect and we can cherish each other while doing that. My grandparents, they love ballroom dancing. That was something that they did together for years and years and had a great time and a great and it built their relationship wonderfully. So the question is this. For 30 seconds, I'd like you to consider how can I better express interest in the things that interest others? Verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is really big. Jesus never leveraged his position, right? Jesus is fully God, but Jesus never leveraged the fact that he was God for his own sake. He came from heaven and he humbled himself to dwell among sinful human beings. Now think about that, because what happened when humans in the Old Testament got too close to the presence of God and they weren't invited? They were done. God cut them off. He killed them. Jesus, fully God and fully man, came and dwelt among sinful human beings. Can you imagine how that must have felt to him? That would have been just gross and detestable, disgusting. Yet he did that for the sake of relationship with us. And while he was here, he never demanded the best seat. He didn't demand the best food. He didn't demand the best accommodations. What did he do? He simply served. He served the people that came to him. He did that until he was exhausted And then he retreated for a time of prayer and rest. So I'm going to give an example. I'm an arborist. Talked about that earlier. And so what an arborist does and what I did was, the best way I can compare it is, if you have a pet that gets sick, you take them to the vet, right? So if you have a tree that isn't doing well, then you would call me as an arborist. I had, uh, I had an employee that came to me and wanted to work, and I said, okay, that's fine. Young man, just out of high school. I said, make sure that you have good pair of shoes, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of walking. He's like, okay, I got good boots. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, less than two months in, the boots were falling off of his feet. And he's like, Jesse, how much am I actually walking? I said, I don't know. I've never checked that. And 
So he got an app for his phone. Turned out he was walking over 14 miles a day. Now half of that, he's dragging or carrying something, right? It's, it's a lot. So my climber, he, this is the guy that'll go up in and on a rope and saddle and work up in the canopy of the tree and do the pruning. He didn't want to be outdone, so he put the app on his phone. So he wanted to find out what he was doing. Turned out he was doing over a thousand stair steps per day and still walking over seven miles. So it was a lot of physical work. At the end of the day, we'd break up average of about a quarter of an acre. And so now I want you to put yourselves in the position of one of my employees. You've just worked a day with, with me. It's a lot of work. You're going to be tired, right? You feeling tired just thinking about it? So you come home, and your spouse has been there, their normal routine. But when you walk through the door, what would you expect? Would you expect supper? What happens if your spouse says, you know what, it's been a rough day for me, I need you to make supper? Would you leverage what you've just done for the day to try to get out of making supper? So here's your question, next 30 seconds. Do I leverage myself in any way to get what I desire out of my relationship? Verse 7, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is really cool. Jesus remained humble through all of his work. He didn't change as his following increased. So at the beginning of his ministry, when he just had a few following him and coming out, he, was, he wasn't one way then, and then when he's feeding the 5,000, he wasn't another way, was he? He was the same. He remained humble. He stayed on that same simple path as a servant. So I like to think of myself as a servant. Would you? I like to think of myself as a servant, though, until I'm treated like one. So back to my arborist example from before. You, as one of my employees, where you're dead tired, you walk through the door. You notice how I said that. It wasn't asked as a question. It was said as a statement, I need you to make supper tonight. So in that situation, if you are there, if you have been treated like a servant, would you still put on Christ-like love in that situation? Would you do that when you're at home? Would you do that at work? What about the quiet church meetings? I've been in some of those meetings. They're hard. In those situations, will you ask the questions, what do they need and what can I give? So for the next 30 seconds, I'd like you to consider this. Am I serving others with Christ-like love in my interactions? Am I asking what do they need and what can can I give? 30 seconds.
verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He came from splendor and glory. And what did he get when he got here? He was beaten. He was mocked. He was hung on a cross. And then he was crushed for my sin. He did this. He did this for us, for relationship. He got what I deserved so that he could have relationship with us. How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go to show Christ-like love in your relationships? Do you put limits on your service? Would you go to reach out to somebody to repair a relationship? Would you go to the point of death? Or maybe what feels like death? It's hard. Jesus gave everything to have relationship with us. This was the purpose of the four Gospels. Everything that was recorded there was to give us the example of how Jesus lived his life. An example for us to follow. To show how he loved so that we then could fulfill this command that he gave us to love others as he did. So ask yourself this, how far am I willing to go to love others? 30 seconds. So tonight, your life in action. Jesus was self-sacrificing. He gave everything in order to have relationship with us. He sacrificed all of his own wants and needs to, to, to make it possible for us to have relationship. So the final question for the night, your life in action question, am I willing to put love into action even when I don't feel like it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, it is, it is hard for us to, to look at how you loved in order for us to have relationship with you. And Lord, for us to, to try to, to, to mimic that and put that into our own uh, relationships, us as sinful beings, not being able to fully carry that out. Lord, I pray that through your spirit that you would make it possible to, to, to love as you did. Lord, that we would, would seek to, to elevate others, to cherish them, and to pursue them as you pursued us. Lord, giving up everything for, our, for relationship with us. I thank you and praise you for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.